Our scripture this evening is from Acts chapter 20. Uh, We're going to listen to a remarkable and very moving final meeting between the Apostle Paul and the elders of the church in Ephesus. Paul had spent two to three years with that church. He knew them well, they knew him well. Some of that is recorded in Acts chapter 19. But now he's on his way to Jerusalem and he calls the elders to him. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. 
Before I preach, um, let's bow our heads for a short prayer. God, our Father, we ask that you'd help me to preach faithfully, and you'd open our ears, soften our hearts, that your word might have uh, the effect you want it to have amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. Church leadership is enormously important. I was preaching this morning for a friend in, um, near Northampton, and uh, afterwards over lunch, uh, he and his wife were telling us a tragic story of a church to which they had belonged in another part of the country, uh, where because of, of uh, bad leadership and scandal, the church had just about disintegrated. By God's grace, they have a new pastor um, shortly to be appointed. But church leadership is enormously important. And uh, as we think about church leadership, uh, those of us, most of us here, we thank God um, from the depth of our hearts for the leadership that God has given us here. Uh, some of you, indeed I, in, in the past, may have been in churches where leadership has been disappointing or downright dark. And people come uh, to, to churches with many different memories of church leadership, some of them wonderful, others not so good. Paul is speaking in this passage in Acts 20 to those who Luke describes in verse 17 as the elders of the church. And in verse 28, uh, Paul uh, himself speaks of them as overseers and also uh, using the word that, that, that refers to shepherds or pastors. And these words seem to be used, as far as I can tell in the New Testament, pretty much interchangeably. Now, when we read as, as just ordinary church members, we hear a passage in which an apostle speaks to elders. Uh, it raises the question, what are we supposed to do about it? And one very clear answer is it, it does give us um, a beautiful example of healthy leadership and shows us how to pray for our elders. It shows us how we should pray for them, and I commend that to you. It shows us what we should encourage them in, that as they, they model these things to us, we should encourage them. Um, Cambridge is not a very encouraging town, and we should learn to be more encouraging to our elders. But the question I want to ask um, is a slightly different one. I want to ask from this passage, I'm just going to focus really mostly on verse 28, but I want to ask the question, uh, what does this passage teach us about ourselves? And uh, as I say, I'm going to focus mostly on verse 28. The structure of the passage is that Paul begins in verses 18 through to 27, speaking of his own example. Then in verses 28 to 31, he gives them instruction. And there are two instructions. Verse 28, um, keep Watch. Let me just check. I've got the right translation. Uh, pay careful attention. And then in verse um, 31, be alert. And then from verse 32 onwards, he speaks again really about himself. But I want to focus, as I say, mostly on verse 28, where he says to them, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. 
And I want to, to try to draw out and press home to us two things which are apparently in, 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 in tension and then to think about them. And the first one is really blindingly obvious and it's that you and I are more vulnerable than we realize and we need pastors. The word flock in verse 28 and again in verse 29, at the end of verse 29, the flock and the word that's translated to care for in verse 28, to care for the church of God, which is a word that means to shepherd or to pastor, they're, they're, they're all sheep-shepherd words. And it just reminds us that the Bible, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, um, again and again and again describes the people of God as a flock of sheep. And that's a very simple picture, but it's really important to try to to, to, to feel the force of this. If you've had much to do with sheep, you'll know that they are both errant and vulnerable. They're low in the predator-prey food chain. A, a Welsh farmer we knew once said to us that a sheep wakes up in the morning and thinks, considers how many ways it can find to hurt itself during the day. Sheep are like that. They're not intelligent, thoughtful animals. And they're very low in the predator-prey food chain. If you had a game of top trumps and you, you had a sheep card against a wolf card or a lion card, on just about everything except for cuteness, um, the sheep would do worse. That's just obvious. Um, and this, this theme appears in the Old Testament again and again in Jeremiah 23, in Ezekiel 34, in Zechariah 11, um, in Psalms, including our call to worship from Psalm 100, including the one we've just sung from Psalm 77 and other Psalms as well. And in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves in Matthew chapter 10. And he looks at the crowd in Matthew 9 and he sees that they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And again and again and again in, in, in the scriptures, you get this picture of sheep as, as vulnerable, harassed, helpless, scattered, ravaged by wolves or or lions, troubled creatures. So that's the picture. And that's why we need shepherds or pastors. And you then ask the question, well, what's the danger? And it's really worth thinking about this because when you look, if you just glance back at verse 20 and 21, if you ask, what does the apostle do as a, 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 a pastor. In verse 20 and 21, you see that he speaks. I didn't shrink from declaring to you. There's a speaking word, a confident speaking word, and a teaching you, didactic, opening something up so that things are understood. And then verse 21, testifying to Jews and Greeks and so on. So you get those speaking words, And so you're asking the question, a pastor protects the flock of God by speaking words. Also, of course, by living a life that can contradict the words. So living a life that doesn't contradict the words, and that's really important in the passage. But he he protects them by words. And it's worth considering that Christians suffer persecution all over the world. We've prayed for some of them. I've had emails in recent weeks from two friends in Nigeria, one of whom 
Some members of his church congregation were kidnapped last week, and also his nephew and his wife was kidnapped. I haven't yet heard more news of them. And another in Plateau State in Nigeria, where there have been some big killings. And what our media will never tell you is that the killers are shouting, Allahu Akbar, as they, as they kill. So Christians are persecuted, but here's the thing. Christians are not endangered by persecution. We may be physically harmed or even killed, but the danger is not persecution. The danger is that we will be lured or deceived away from the true worship of God. And you and I need to to really to grasp that we live in a world in which words are everywhere. Words are in our news feeds, our films, movies, television, podcasts. Words are everywhere. And the words we hear shape us. And, and the world, the winds of culture, the air we breathe. Think of Carl Truman's really helpful recent books, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self and his book Strange New World, exploring how words and culture have shaped the way we think. And we need to grasp that. We're much more vulnerable than we realize. And the, our problem, at least I speak for myself, is that I... I nod in the direction of being a a, a sheep because I know I have to. That's what the Bible tells me I am, but I don't really believe it. Actually, I I like to think I'm part of a troop of horse or possibly sometimes a herd of buffalo or ideally a pride of lions. That would be the best, wouldn't it? And we like to think that we're strong and, 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 and we can be confident and so on. But when a sheep pretends to be a lion, it's not going to end well. And you and I need to realize that we are much more vulnerable than we realize. And that's why we need pastors. We need pastors to do what the apostle did in Ephesus, proclaiming, testifying, teaching, so that the words we hear from our pastors will shape us in our our grasp of the scriptures, so that the scriptures affect not just our minds, but our hearts and our wills and shape who we are. So we're vulnerable. Now, in some ways, the, the, the story seems to get worse because it raises the question, then, what happens if, and I'm not speaking of us here, thank God, but what happens if Christians are in a church where the pastors are not faithful? And Paul goes straight on to that in verse 29. And he says some Um, spine-tingling words. He says, I know, verse 29, that after my departure, uh, there's some similarity really in what Paul is saying and with what Jesus said in, in John chapters 14, 15, 16 before his departure. It's not the same, but there's some parallels. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And it's a dreadful picture of blood and guts everywhere. It's a terrible picture that that, that the apostle conjures up. But it gets even worse because he goes on in verse 30 and you just imagine what the atmosphere was like at this elders' meeting. Can you imagine an elders' meeting in which the apostle says, he looks round and he says, from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. I imagine the atmosphere was not dissimilar to that in the upper room in John 13 when Jesus looks at the 12 and says, one of you is going to betray me. You can imagine, they all looked around and said, who, who is it? 
And um, it's a terrible thing. You get something a little similar in Psalm 55, where King David uh, talks about being betrayed by someone who'd been his companion, his familiar friend. And it's, it's a terrible thing when this happens. When somebody has enemy written on their T-shirt, you know what you're dealing with. But when you have a, a, a pastor who's actually a wolf in pastor in shepherd's clothing, or as Jesus put it, sometimes a wolf in sheep's clothing, uh, it's a terrifying thing because you don't recognize them, you don't know them, which is why some of the strongest denunciations in the New Testament are directed at false teachers within the churches. You think of the letter of Jude particularly, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees, in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, and so on. It's very, very strong. And in Paul's second letter to Timothy, he gives a dreadful, in chapter 3, a dreadful catalogue of evil behaviour. And as you read the beginning of 2 Timothy 3, you think, well, this is really dreadful. This must be in some terrible, godless part of the city. And then halfway through, you discover that these people have the appearance of godliness. They're in church. They're probably in the pulpit. They're there at the front, and it's really, really frightening as they lead the flock astray. And it's a, it's a terrifying thing, this, and it makes us feel vulnerable and anxious. Um, some of you will know the, the army firing range uh, just near Barton, and you, you may know, you may have walked across it, sometimes on a run, I'll run across it, and you run, you run straight across in front of the um, targets. So it's quite good to run when they're not firing. Um, it's not so good to run when they are firing and they put the red flag up and there's a sentry each side uh, to, to stop you going in. And I've been stopped more than once by a sentry. But on one occasion I appeared, the sentry was fast asleep. Far, I wanted to take a photo. I should have done, really. To be fair to His Majesty's forces, I think it was a rifle club rather than the army on that occasion. He was fast asleep. And I, in one sense, it was quite funny. They were already firing, and even with my not very good hearing, I knew they were firing. So there wasn't so much danger for me. But actually, I was angry. I thought, this is a terrible thing. And it, 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 far worse than this is a pastor who doesn't speak the faith, faithfully the full counsel of God. It's a dreadful, dreadful thing. Pastors aren't optional extras in church life. We should thank God for our faithful pastor and elders but the, the, the possibility of bad pastors makes us feel very anxious. So if the first thing I want to press home is that we are vulnerable, and we do need to, to, to feel this. So if somebody says to you this week, what are you, and you say, I'm a sheep, you need to feel, actually, I am very vulnerable. But my second, the second thing I want to try to press home is this, and it's also from verse 28, and it's this, that you and I, if we belong to Jesus, are more loved than we can possibly imagine. So in verse 28, Paul says to these pastors, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So this is a wonderful thing. We're a little hesitant about this, aren't, aren't we? I mean, there was an ordination in Barry St. Edmunds yesterday, and, and we, we know from 1 Timothy 4 that the normal... New Testament form was, was when the Council of Elders, the Presbyterian, the word from which we get presbytery, um, lay hands on a man to, 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 to ordain him or commission him or whatever language is used in different church 
context. So there's a human instrumentality. But Paul says here, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. So there's a dignity to that. But also he describes their charge as the church of God. He goes beyond location, Cambridge, Ephesus, wherever it was. He goes beyond the name of a particular church. He goes beyond denomination or anything like that. And he says, no, this is the church of God. This church belongs to God, which he obtained with his own blood. And there's a little translation question there about his own blood, um, whether that's the blood of his own in the sense of his own son. But it doesn't hugely matter because the blood that was shed to purchase the church was the blood of the Son of God, who is God. And you cannot imagine a higher price than that. You and I, if we are Christian people, are blood-bought men and women, bought with the blood of God himself in some extraordinary way. I was reading one of the church fathers who was pointing out that at the incarnation, the Lord Jesus was conceived and, and born, not in order that he might live, for he had lived from all eternity as the second person of the Godhead. He, was, he took our nature on himself that he might be born with our nature in order that he might die to purchase sinners for God. And if you belong to Jesus, you can say with the Apostle Paul in the letter to the Galatians, that the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. It's really important not to misunderstand the, the, the thing about vulnerability. So here's the thing. Even the worst pastor in the world cannot lose sheep that have been entrusted by the Father to the care of the Good Shepherd. Jesus promises he will build his church. The Good Shepherd promises that, 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 that no one can snatch a man, woman, or child, out of the Father's hand, out of his hand. In John chapter 6, he promises that every single one whom the Father has given him, he will raise up on the last day, and nothing can change that, and the worst pastor in the world can't change that. So there's a tremendous and wonderful security in being loved and purchased by the blood of God. And there's a mystery here. I take it that Judas Iscariot was appointed by the Holy Spirit to be an apostle. It's quite a thought, isn't it, after the Lord Jesus had prayed a whole night of prayer and then he appoints the twelve. I take it that he's appointed and he turns out to be a betrayer. It's no surprise to God that that happens. And I take it that a Judas Iscariot or his heirs and successors cannot endanger those in whom God has worked by his Holy Spirit to give new birth. And maybe the key verse here is in Matthew 26, where Jesus says, the Son of Man will go just as it's written about him. He'll be betrayed, he'll die. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It'd be better for him if if he'd not been born. So there's a mystery here, because on the one hand, a bad pastor does leave sheep defenseless, harassed and helpless, sheep without a shepherd. It matters very much. And you and I will know people who have been seemingly walking with Jesus. They've been regular in church. And through bad or abusive pastoral leadership in their churches, they've stopped. They've turned right away. They were 
it seemed, following Jesus, they used to profess Christian faith and now they don't. But God promises to be the pastor for all who are truly his. And it may be that for some of those, they, 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 they may really belong to Christ and will come back before they die. Or it may sadly be for some of them that, that, that although they seem to be Christians, there was no real heart-changing work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. But the Lord Jesus promises in John chapter 10 that he will be the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. In Hebrews chapter 13, he's called the great shepherd. In 1 Peter 5, he's called the chief shepherd. And if you feel vulnerable, and I feel vulnerable, as we should, we may run to Jesus and be confident that he, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, the great shepherd, will keep every one of his sheep. So this is a word of exhortation to those who are elders, pastors, overseers, have church leadership entrusted to them. It's a great responsibility. Uh, it, it's a word to us all that we need elders, we need leaders, we need them to lead well, we need to pray for them and encourage them to do that. But ultimately, it's a reminder that you and I are bought with the blood of God, bought with an incomparably great price, an unimaginably great price. It is not possible to be more loved than you are if you belong to Jesus Christ. It is not possible to be more secure than you are if you truly belong to Jesus Christ. So although being sheep humbles us, and it should, it should not lead us to despair. It should lead us afresh to the assurance and confidence and trust and the wonder of God's love. Our great God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the extraordinary love poured out upon each one who belongs to Jesus Christ. And we pray that in our vulnerability in a dangerous world, we might have a renewed confidence and trust in the security that comes from belonging to Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen.